morning. Welcome to this place. You've made it. <laughs> Sometimes it's a struggle just to get here, right? Will you stand and let's begin our worship? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Save people like me, people like you. Let's sing to him this morning. Thank you. 
Amen. Awesome song. Wow. You guys can have a seat for a minute, just for a minute. Don't get too comfortable, okay? Uh, welcome to Kavanaugh. We are glad you're here. If you're new, if you're a guest, thanks for coming. We'd love to meet you right after the service. We have a Connect counter in our Welcome Center, so stop by there. We've got a gift for you. If you're online, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Guys, we're going to worship Jesus today. That's our mission. He is our Savior. There's nobody like Him. He has set us free from our sin and failure when we trust in Him, when we believe in the resurrection. It's so great to be able to just pour our praise upon Him. And guess what, guys? We're going to see Him one day. We will see Him face to face. Can you imagine what that's going to be like? So we got to be ready. And you know what? we got to share that good news with other people as well. So make that your mission. Praise Him every day and make Him known to those that you meet. Okay? All right. But right now, we're going to sing and we're going to praise. Would you stand up? I'm going to pray. And then I want you to keep standing. And man, just sing as loud as you can and make a joyful noise to the Lord. Okay? Because we're going to worship Him. He's our Savior. God, we love you. Thank you for sending Jesus to be our Savior. There is nobody like you. Today we are here, Lord, to come in one accord as a body of believers and to lift our praise to you. So help us to do that, Lord, with all of our heart. Uh, thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being in your house today. And then as Brother Will preaches, would you anoint him and speak through him with your Holy Spirit, God, and speak into our hearts. And then, Lord, change our lives as only you can. We love you, God, and praise you. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Lord, we praise you, Father, that uh, we can still claim promises. We know that your word is true. Lord, we have seen you work in our past, but that's not all. We plan on and we count on the fact that we see your promises come true in the future. Lord, we claim them this morning. We just ask that you do it again. Pray that a, a mighty revival will just move over this place, Father. Will you start with us? Um, help us not to look to the person beside us, but to look to ourselves. And um, just ask you to start within us, Lord. We give you praise, honor, and glory for you alone are worthy, Lord. We trust you, Jesus, in all things. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. hand. I appreciate them and their hard work and great ministry. It's good to have you here today. Welcome. Those watching online, thanks for tuning us in. Uh, I don't know about you, but I like to win. Anybody out there just kind of like to, I mean, I do. I, I, I admit it. I like to win. Now, uh, I don't do a whole lot of competitive things anymore because I'm just an old man, but I still do competitive cowboy shooting. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always, Cowpoke, when you and I are shooting together, I'm rooting for you, dude. I, I want you to do good. I don't want you to have any misses or any mess ups or anything, but I want to beat you, all right? Because there's just something inside of me that just kind of drives, I want to win. Is that wrong? Thank you, Jason. It is healthy. I mean, we, we do. We, we like to win, right? You know, yeah, it is built into us. Now, losing, losing, we can learn things from losing. Lessons can be learned, but I don't like to lose. I like to win. I like it when my teams win. You know, I, I root for football, love football. I've got three football teams I root for every weekend. Uh, you know, I hate to admit it, but Greenwood Bulldogs, that's my high school team. Now, I, I love all the other teams in the area. Really, I do. But if they're playing Greenwood, sorry. I'm going to root for Greenwood. That's where my kids went. Just, I love the Bulldogs. We've had the privilege this year of feeding some local high school football teams. We, we fed Van Buren, the Pointers. We fed them well. Uh, we fed the Poto Pirates. We got us a pirate back there. Dude, y'all are undefeated this year, aren't you? Going... You've lost one game, but y'all are doing great, man. And we, we fed the Pirates. They, they are a great team. This past Thursday night, we fed the entire Greenwood High School football team. They came here, and we fed them ribs. Uh, Johnny and Ray and, and all of our team cooked all day to feed these kids ribs, and they had cobbler. And then they go and beat Lake Hamilton and uh, mercy rule them in the third quarter. So I don't know. I'm thinking if I'm Coach Jones, I'm wanting to eat at Cavanaugh Church every Thursday night. You know, it just brings some good mojo. So I, I, I do what? Oh, I'm sorry. Coach Young, I'm sorry. You know, anyway, old things, old habits hard to break. Coach Young, he would want to come here every, uh, every Thursday night. Then, of course, I've got to root for the Arkansas Razorbacks. I've lived here 24 years. Got to root for them. And uh, you know what? They did it yesterday, didn't they? You know, that's, that's awesome. Here's the problem, though. I've got three teams, Greenwood, Arkansas, and then the Dallas Cowboys. 
And, and there hasn't been a weekend this year that all three of my teams have all successfully won. So one of them typically loses. Now, since Greenwood and the Razorbacks have won, we really need to root for the Cowboys today, right? Why? Because I like winning. I like to be a winner. This isn't going anywhere, is it? But you know what? I get to win. In the end, I know I win. In the most important game there is, the game of life, I know that I win because I've, I've read the entire book and I know what it takes to be a winner, to win eternally. I've got to know Jesus is my Savior. The blood of Christ has to be in my life. And you know what? Jesus is rooting for me. Jesus has provided a way for me to win eternally. My opposition, however, is the devil. And the devil doesn't want me to win. Every day he's trying to deceive me and accuse me and mess me up so that I will trip and lose. But my eyes are on Jesus. And that kind of brings me to the topic I want to talk to you about today, and that is the devil himself and his objective for your life. Now, the Bible is amazing. Would you agree with me? Come on. Maybe you don't like Greenwood, maybe you don't like Arkansas, maybe you hate the Cowboys, but you got to love the Bible, right? Yeah. You with me? We love reading the Bible, and it is a, an amazing book. It, it is a living book. Th that means that when I read it, I'm just not reading words on a page. The God of the universe is speaking to me because this book is alive, and so as I read it, it speaks back to me, and every passage in the Bible is amazing. But the one I have for you today is super amazing. It's, it's the wow factor times 10, how amazing this passage is. Are you ready for it? Yeah. Revelation chapter 12, I'm going to read the first 12 verses. Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of 12 stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. Doctor, I have no idea how it feels to give birth, but I have been told it is a very painful experience. Any mamas in here want to? It is. This lady is in birth pain. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery, some translations even add the word angry, Red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth. He stood there ready to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. And war broke out in heaven. Michael, who is an archangel, and his angels fought with the dragon and his angels. And the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail. 
nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. Underline that, mark that in your brain. That's the job of the devil. He is the deceiver. And every day he wants to deceive you because he hates you. He deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the inhabitants of the earth and to the sea. For the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows he only has a short time. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would open our minds to your word today. May the Holy Spirit speak into our hearts and help us, dear Lord, to realize Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Savior, and he is rooting for us so that we can have eternal life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So today, I want to continue my little sermon series that I started last week, which I wasn't planning on starting a sermon series last week, on the devil, right? Last week, remember, I preached about the devil. We talked about the devil's operation in the world, that he has four zones that he's working in, in heavenly places, in international politics. He works amongst unbelievers and also amongst believers, I spoke last Sunday and said something in my message about Satan's objectives, just what he's trying to accomplish. And, and I just spent a moment on it last Sunday, but it sparked something in my mind that I haven't gotten rid of all week. And I thought, you know what, we can go back and visit that today because it's really important for you to understand what the devil is up to and what his objectives are in world history and in your own life. And so it brings us to our passage, Revelation chapter 12. Now that's an amazing passage that I just read, isn't it? Very intriguing. It, it, Jason, it's on the wow level times 10. I mean, it really is up there. It captures my attention. It, it's difficult to understand, but it's not impossible to understand. So what I want to try to do is give you just a brief interpretation of the symbolisms in Revelation 12 as I understand them. And then I would like to spotlight three objectives that Satan has not only for himself, but for world history. So first, the three symbolic figures that we read about in Revelation chapter 12. The, the first one was this woman. We re read about this woman who has a crown on her head of 12 stars. And then we read, secondly, about this angry red dragon that has seven heads. And then we read about this little baby. So we've got a lady, a baby, and a mean red dragon. Okay? Now when you got up this morning and came to church, you weren't expecting a sermon on a lady, a baby, and a mean red dragon. Were you? 
But that is exactly what you're going to get. I believe this, this woman, this lady, represents the nation of Israel. The baby is none other than our Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the angry red dragon is it's Satan, the devil. Now, keep that in mind as we go back and work our way through this passage. Let's go back to verse 1. Now, a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland or a crown of 12 stars. Israel is often pictured in the Old Testament as the bride of God or the bride of Jehovah. These 12 stars on her head represent the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, what does this passage say about Old Testament or ancient Israel? Well, we see that in verse number 2. Here's what it says about it. Then being with child, this, this woman who represents Israel, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And she gave birth. She gave birth to the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And we know that Jesus is of Jewish descent. You go back and read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They all go into great pain to tell us that Jesus is the product of the lineage of Israel. There was, there was a, a seed, a lineage, a bloodline that God started in Israel that produced the Messiah, Jesus Christ. But what happened? Well, the devil pictured here symbolically as this angry red dragon wanted to destroy that baby who is our Messiah. Look at verses 4 and 5 of Revelation 12. His tail, that is Satan's tail, drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them or hurled them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child just as soon as it was born. She bore or produced a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and went up to the throne of the universe. Now, this passage goes on to describe for us and explain to us the ministry of Jesus Christ. And after he finished his earthly ministry, he ascended back into heaven and now sits on the throne of God. But in the future, we read that he's going to come back and redeem his church. Jesus is going to come back and take all believers to heaven to live with him for all eternity. But in the meantime, the devil having failed to destroy the Messiah, is seeking to deceive the entire world. Look with me again at verse 9. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He is the deceiver. And he is trying to deceive you and your family today. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Now, for our purpose this morning, I want us to discover the three objectives that this passage attributes to this angry red dragon, the devil. I believe they are chronological. Satan had an original goal, 
he failed in that original goal, so he went to plan number two or plan B. And guess what? He failed in plan B. Why? Because the devil's a loser, right? But then he went on to plan three, and plan three is the one that is affecting your life and your family's life today. So what are these three objectives? Well, let's lay it out. Number one, Satan's first objective was to overthrow God. Now, last Sunday morning, I preached about Satan's operation, how he operates in different areas or zones. Wednesday night, I preached on the devil's origin. Now, a lot of you weren't here to hear that, and some of you were working in the teen area or kids area. I, I, would, I usually don't tell people to go back and listen to my sermons, but I really encourage you to go back and listen to Wednesday night's message. It, it's, it's very interesting in its content because what I did was show us from the Word of God the origin of the devil, where the devil came from. Here in our passage, Revelation 12, verse 4, it says, His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them down to earth. That's something that happened in heaven. But you know what? The, the devil was created in heaven. The devil was originally part of God's original creation. When God made angels, the devil was produced. He was made. God made him as Lucifer, the star of the morning. There are two Old Testament passages that I looked at Wednesday night, one in Ezekiel and the other in Isaiah, and they go into great detail describing for us the origin of the devil. He was a created being made by God as a beautiful angel. In fact, he was the greatest of all the other angels. He was, the Bible says, a model of perfection. He was full of wisdom and beauty. He was a thing of splendor. He was created as an archangel, a cherub angel. Cherub angels were a select group of angels that had the duty of, of guarding the throne of God. So he was a guardian of the holiness of God, and he was the top dog of all the angels, a beautiful created being. I talked about this Wednesday night, and, and after the sermon, more people said something to me about this than anything else, so let me just pass it on. The devil is not equal with God. You, you know that, don't you? But in our thinking, in our mind, we have put him as equal with God. We say, there's God and there's the devil. There's good and there's bad. But they're not on an equal playing field. There is no one like our God. I mean, God is God. God, God is omniscient. That is, he knows all things innately. He knows things before they happen. Our God is omnipresent. That means he's everywhere present at the same time. The devil doesn't have those attributes. The devil was created by God. He is limited in time. He's limited in space. He's limited in knowledge. The devil is not on an equal playing field with God. No, the devil would be equal with Michael, the archangel we read about in Revelation chapter 12, where it says in heaven, Michael and the angels fought against the dragon and his angels. So again, make no mistake about it, there's only one God. And the devil ain't him. All right, you with me? He was a created angel, a, a 
a model of perfection. He was beautiful. He was, and again, I said this over and over Wednesday night, he was the top dog in heaven when it comes to angels. But then one day a problem occurred. Sin was found in him. Pride developed in his heart. His heart became proud and he lusted after the things of God, the throne of God. And so he led a rebellion in heaven. According to Isaiah chapter 14, he said, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars. I will make myself like the most high. And he led this rebellion in heaven. You know, again, it's interesting to me that sin originated in heaven, not on earth. And the original sin that was committed was the sin of pride. Augustine, the great theologian, said, and thus you have the root sin. Pride is the root sin. From, from out of that sin grow all other sins. The, the sin of your own independence away from God. Well, that's what happened in the devil's heart. He became proud. And he led this rebellion against Almighty God. And according to verse 4 of Revelation chapter 12, a third of the angels in heaven joined in this revolt against God. And they were all cast down to the earth like falling stars. Lucifer became the devil. And his followers, these angels, became demons. And now they occupy hell. And they are plundering the earth with destruction. Let me read to you 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. Here's what Peter said. God did not spare the angels who sinned. That's one-third of the heavenly host who followed after Lucifer. God didn't spare these angels who sinned, but he cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. That is, God cast the angels who followed Satan into hell. Hell was made for the devil and his angels, a place of eternal torment and fire. Jude, there's only one chapter in Jude, verse 6 goes on to explain this. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of that great day. So I'm just going to give you a second to catch up with me and see what's happening here. The devil, because of his pride, because of his wanting to take the throne of God, his attempt to overthrow God was cast out of heaven. And one-third of the angels in heaven were cast out of heaven and fell down to this earth. They have already been sentenced to hell. They know where they're going to spend eternity. They are just awaiting the final judgment of God. Okay? So coming down to earth, Satan spread his revolt to mankind. He went to the Garden of Eden, and he immediately started spreading his sin and revolt to Adam and Eve. And all of humanity has become infected with his rebellious spirit. But there in the Garden of Eden, God made a promise. God promised when sin entered into this world through the devil's temptation to Adam and Eve, God promised to send a Redeemer. 
In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God promised that a descendant of Eve would crush the head of the serpent. He was promising Jesus. And the devil knew that. The, the devil heard of that promise in Genesis 3.15. And all of a sudden, the devil's objective changed. Having failed in his first attempt to overthrow God, he determined, number two, that he's going to destroy God's Redeemer. Again, Revelation 12, verse 4. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. I think this is a very accurate account of the hatred Satan vented toward the lineage and the life of Jesus Christ. And, and there are some passages that I read, and when I read them, I get a mental image in my mind. I, I see a picture of what's going on. This is one of those verses. Nathan, I, I see this, man. I can see right there in, in Bethlehem, in that manger, the Virgin Mary. Virgin Mary. Why do I say the Virgin Mary? Well, she was a virgin. The Bible says the Holy Spirit of God came over her and implanted in her womb the seed that would produce the Redeemer, Jesus Christ. And there she is in, in this little stable about to give birth to God's Son. And there that angry red dragon is with seven heads. Now, I don't think anybody could see that red dragon. But you know what? Ephesians 4 tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this age. So make no mistake about it. That angry red dragon was there. Revelation 12, 4 tells us he was there. What was he waiting for? He was waiting for that baby to come out of its mother's womb because he was going to devour God's son. And that brings us to Satan's second objective, to destroy the Messiah. And, and I read that verse, and I can see it. Guys, can you see that? Can you see the angry red dragon right there waiting for the baby to be born? To devour that baby, I can see that. But you know what? When you step back and take your eyes off of the focus of Bethlehem's manger and put it all on the entirety of Scripture, you realize that from Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, when that promise was given that God was going to send a Redeemer who would crush the head of the serpent, from that very moment, the devil has been working diligently to wipe out the lineage of the Messiah. Now, th there are various ways you can read the Bible, and I encourage you to read the Bible every day. But you, you can get maybe different insight when you look at the Scripture from a different perspective, asking different questions. And there is one way you can read the Old Testament and, and see the entirety of what I'm talking about here. When, when you look at the Old Testament as a story of the devil's attempts to destroy the bloodline of the Messiah. As soon as God promised a Redeemer in Genesis 3.15, Satan sought to destroy the lineage of Jesus Christ. I mean, it began right there. He ruined the heart of Cain, causing Cain to kill his righteous brother Abel. But God raised up who? Seth. To continue the lineage 
of this bloodline of the Messiah. Then Satan sowed wickedness in the earth so that humanity was destroyed by a horrible flood. Dude, you think, you think things are bad right now? In Noah's day, they were even worse than they are right now. And God destroyed the world with a flood, but Noah, Noah and his family found grace in the eyes of God, and that bloodline continued on. The devil then provoked Esau to kill Jacob, through whom the Messiah would come, but God saved Jacob. And then Satan provoked Pharaoh to kill all the little babies that were born in Egypt of the Jews. But you know what God did? He spared the life of baby Moses. And that's an incredible story, isn't it? During the kingdom days, there was attempt after attempt to destroy the line of Jesus Christ. But in every instance, God protected the messianic bloodline of the Messiah. For example, there's this incredible story in 2 Chronicles chapter 22. There's this evil queen mother named Athaliah. Her son was the king and he died. But instead of allowing any of his sons to reign in the kingdom, she had all of her grandchildren murdered. What a nice granny. She murdered the whole lot of them because she wanted to rule. But she missed one of the grandchildren. The youngest one who was just a little bitty baby. And it appeared that the bloodline of Jesus Christ had been extinguished except for this little baby that was hidden. Prince Joash. And for six years they hid him in the temple. And when he became six years old... The priest made him king. And I tell you what, Athaliah was worried then. They put her to death. It, but isn't that incredible? What an incredible story. It, it looked like the devil had did it. It looked like that he had extinguished the messianic bloodline. But no, it was saved in a little tiny infant. When at last the Christ child was born. Satan was right there the manger in Bethlehem, as this angry red dragon ready to devour him. And then he moved Herod to slaughter all the baby boys of Bethlehem. But God protected the Christ child. When Christ was older, Satan came to him full force to tempt him like you have never been tempted. He wanted to destroy his sinless ministry. Then he tried to get the people of Nazareth to throw Jesus off of a cliff. Then he tried to get the Pharisees to stone him. But miraculously, Jesus Christ survived every brush with death. And then on a dark Friday afternoon, after centuries of trying, Satan finally achieved his objective. Or at least it seemed. He beat and broke the life of the promised Messiah. He laughed as Christ was whipped. He was grinning with every blow of the hammer. He sneered at the groans that shattered through the trembling lips of our Messiah. He delighted in every drop of blood that fell from our Lord's contorted body. He smiled as the stiffened Son of God was taken off of that rugged tree and placed in a tomb. And for three days, 
all of hell rejoiced. But Satan really didn't understand that the death of Jesus sealed his own defeat. He didn't comprehend, he didn't get the fulfillment of the prophecy in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 that God's Redeemer was going to crush his head because the devil had not counted on Easter. Come on. Easter changed everything. And when Christ arose from the dead, Satan was enraged beyond measure. He immediately began having Christians fed to the lions, flogged with whips, slain with swords, and burned at the stakes. There is a trail of the Christian faith and Christian history that has flowed red with the blood of born-again believers. And Lucifer has been doing everything possible to destroy the people of God and condemn the world. And that leads us to his third objective. Objective number one, dethrone God and sit on the throne of God. He failed. Objective number two, destroy the Messiah. Mm, he didn't do that. So he's moved on to his third objective. Take as many people to hell with him as he can. That's his goal right now. That's his objective. That is his work in world history. Look at verses 9 and 12. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Verse 12, therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, because the devil ain't there anymore. But woe to the inhabitants of the earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows he has a very short time. The Bible teaches us that God prepared hell as a place of torment and punishment for the devil and his demons. God made hell for the devil and his demons. They are condemned to hell. They know that at the final judgment of God, when God brings an end to all of this, they are going to be chained in hell forever. They know that. They know that. So what's the devil trying to do? Well, he's trying to take you with him. He's condemned there, but he wants you to be there with him. Why? Because he's a loser. And he hates you. And he wants to drag you into hell. How many have ever been swimming at either a swimming pool or a pond? And you got a buddy or a friend standing there at the edge of the pool talking to somebody in the water. And you get this bright idea, I'm going to push him in. So you sneak up as quiet as you can, and you shove them, but as you shove them and they're falling in, they're quick as a cat, and they turn around and grab your arm and pull you in with them. That ever happened to you? It's happened to me several times. That's what the devil's doing. He knows where he's headed. He's headed to hell, but he's grabbing everybody he can to drag them into hell with him. Look again at 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. We read this last Sunday. This passage says, The God of this age, the devil, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, 
who is the very image of God. Satan is working very hard to blind you. And let me tell you, he's doing a pretty good job of it in our world today. Because right here in America, there, there are people so blinded that they are calling good bad and bad good. Literally. It's absolutely amazing. That is the work of the evil one. That is the work of the devil. Why? Because when he blinds your mind, he will bite you. And his venom will destroy you. He makes his way so inviting, so appealing, so good. But make no mistake about it. His path is the way of death, destruction, and doom. The devil wants to take you to hell. Now, it, it may be that you're here today and you've heard the gospel a hundred times. You've, you've been presented the word of truth and the plan of salvation. You, you know what it takes to be saved. We say here at Cavanaugh, to simplest, ABC, admit you're a sinner, believe that Jesus is the only one who can save you, and confess Jesus is Lord of your life. You've heard that, you know that, but you've never done that. Or maybe you're here today and, and you're just away from God. You're not living like you should. I want to tell you a story I read about not long ago about this preacher. He had a dream. And in his dream, he was taken down to hell. And he was privileged to hear this conversation between the devil and his demons. And they were scheming a way to deceive the world. And how they were going to drag as many people to hell for eternity with them as they could. And, and one of the demons stood up and says, guys, I've got it. I've, I've got a great plan. I'm just going to go down there to earth and I'm going to tell them that the Bible is a lie and that Christianity is a hoax and they're idiots if they believe it. And all of hell clapped. That's a great, that's a great plan, man. Great plan. Another devil stood up and said, here's, here's my plan. I'm going to go down there and I'm going to help people build uh, liquor stores and bars and casinos, and, and I'm going to flood the land with drugs and alcohol. And all the demons said, oh, that's a great plan. That'll be great. That'll work. Another demon spoke up and says, here, I've got it. I'm, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to cause missionaries' planes to crash and their boats to sink. And, and I'm going to send opposition to every church there is. And with that, all of hell roared. Great idea. But there was a fourth demon who was a little older and wiser than the rest. He said, comrades, no, here, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go down there, and I'm going to go to church with them. And I'm going to sit in the pew beside them. And I'm going to whisper in their ear and tell them, you know what? That preacher is telling you the truth. It's the truth. The Bible is real. There is a God. Jesus is the Messiah. There is a heaven. There is a hell. But then I'm going to whisper in his ear and say, hey, you know what, dude? You don't have to worry about right now you've got your whole life to live so just do what you want to do you'll have plenty of time to get things right with God later in life just just have fun now 
Don't you worry about it. You know what? That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. You know what? Here's, here's, here's the reality. You, you don't know how much time you have. Today could be your last day on planet Earth. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Because right now God is offering you a way out. You don't have to go to hell. You know, I've said this before. You know what you got to do to go to hell? Nothing. You're on your way to hell. What you need to do is something not to go to hell. And that's where Jesus comes in. He is the Redeemer. Jesus did crush the head of the serpent. Jesus has provided a way of salvation. You don't have to be a loser. You can be a winner. But you've got to trust Jesus. Listen to me. The devil is not your friend. The devil hates you. He wants to destroy you. He wants you to go to hell with him. But don't listen to him. Listen to Jesus. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes. We're, we're going to do something right now that's called an invitation. That is, I'm going to invite you to ask Jesus into your heart. You, you, I mean, you can do that right where you are at your pew, or you can come down to the altar so that we can pray with you. But, but again, it's as simple as ABC. A, admit the fact that you're a sinner. You are. We all are. B, believe Jesus is the only one who can save us. Because he is the only one who can save you. And then see, confess Jesus as Lord of your life. If you've never done that before, you need to do that today. Because I don't want you to go to hell. God doesn't want you to go to hell. Trust Jesus. If you're here today and your life is a mess and you're away from God, you need to come and pray and get back on the right track. And then if you're here today and you've got any kids or grandkids, boy, let me tell you, you need to be at the altar praying for them because the devil is after them big time. So come and intercede. Pray for their salvation. As God speaks to you, would you come? Heavenly Father, help us to respond in faith today. May the kingdom grow. May lives be changed. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand, and as you stand, just step out. Come on. Join, join those who are already coming. Come and pray. God is speaking. You come and pray.
our confidence and you have never failed us nor will you ever fail us help us dear lord today to trust you i pray dear lord for those who are struggling with this decision of following jesus or following the world i pray dear lord that your holy spirit would just uh, speak directly into their heart right now and dear lord i pray that they would choose life that they would choose jesus they would choose salvation help help everyone in this room and those listening online to remember and realize the devil is not our friend he is the accuser of the brethren he is the deceiver of the world he is the great tempter and he wants to condemn all of us to hell so Lord I pray that today we would say no to the devil and yes to Jesus Lord we love you we praise you thank you for this time in your house Use us in your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can be seated just for a moment, if you would. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being here today. Really do appreciate it. Um, when you get up and leave, if you are a guest... Make sure you stop by our Connect counter. We have a gift for you. All the rest of you, when you walk out, make sure you drop your offering in that little black box, or you can give online. 6.30 tonight on Facebook Live, Brother Jason's going to be teaching a Bible lesson, so tune in for that. Come back 7 o'clock Wednesday. Uh, we have classes for all ages. This year, we're doing Adopt-A-Missionary Kid, all right? Uh, in the past 20 previous years, we've been doing Adopt-A-Family but this year it's a little different. We're adopting our Free Will Baptist missionary kids. Uh, there are actually 65 kids we're adopting plus 20 from Puerto Rico. That means we're going to provide Christmas for 85 kids this year. Isn't that great? I'm so excited. It's going to be awesome. Our, our goal is $30,000, which all of it's going to go for these kids, and you've already given $19,000. Just keep giving, all right? Uh, if you're writing out a check, just put AAM on it, Adopt a Missionary, and if you want to, a little, little bitty letter K, Adopt a Missionary Kid, all right? And, and we would certainly appreciate that. Let's do pray for each other. We've got a lot of people sick, many in the hospital. Uh, pray for healing there. Uh, uh, Barbara Carter's brother passed away, and his funeral is going to be tomorrow. Pray for that family. On November the 11th, which is this Thursday, we celebrate Veterans Day. Thank God for our veterans. Amen. Uh, Wednesday night in our service, we'll give special recognition to them. But our Children's Center, the Kavanaugh Children's Center, did a little tribute to veterans for Veterans Day. And as you walk through here, if you're going back there to get your little kids... Uh, from uh, from uh, Kids Church on that glass wall is a tribute to veterans from our Children's Center kids, and, and it's pretty neat. It's cool. So just go back there and, and look at it, and this week tell a veteran that you appreciate them and love them so much. I love you. Our staff loves you. Most of all, God loves you. Have a great day. Stay out of trouble.